Uh, I think now, um, more so than ever, with emerging technologies, the responsibility to scientists, engineers, to communicate to the public. You're no longer just writing for your peers who have a deep understanding of this. So the first step is transparency. Um, because with a lack of understanding, folks start to imagine the monsters under their bed. Mm. I've seen articles that mention the competition between US and China. China is doing a lot of work in this space. And it's very easy to get to the point where somebody thinks that person is Chinese, they're going to steal my thoughts. And this mm -hmm. is a horrible path <laughs> to go down. But there can be some commentary that hints at that. That's not a risk um, for, for someone uh, in the public. Mm. And that speaks to the international level. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics they talk? We listen. Can you imagine getting into a business or a market where you actually spend a hundred billion plus on a piece of paper? Are you kidding me? It was like a frying pan of the head. I got nothing against CFOs. It was not just the job of a lifetime, it was the job of a thousand lifetimes. My guest today is a C-suite professor, entrepreneur, and a research engineer. He has in-depth knowledge of science and technology policy, emerging technologies, mathematical modeling, human modeling simulation, biomedical engineering, and electrical and computer engineering. Today's conversation will be about policies and regulations with the application and commercialization of BCIs, as well as some of the unintended and unexpected use of the technology. An interesting conversation awaits my listeners today, but before we get into that, here's a brief message. U.S. Private Capital Forum Go Real 2023 launched now with on-demand sessions offering attendees the utmost flexibility to access industry-specific content and deals on their terms. It will bring together over 100 speakers from across Europe over a broad agenda covering private equity, venture capital, real estate and private debt. For details, visit www.eurosforum.org. Heads Talk podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Dr. Tim Marler is a professor at the Pardee Rand Graduate School and a senior research engineer at Rand Corporation. He's a co-founder and co-lead for the Rand Biological Technologies Emerging Challenges Group and the Rand Health Biotechnology and Bioeconomy Strategy Group. Currently, he serves on the Department of Commerce, Materials and Equipment Technology Advisory Committee with the Bureau of Industry and Security. Dr. Marla is the president of Virtual Systems Engineering, which focuses on software for analyzing circuit cards. And he's the chief research officer of Santos Human Inc., which focuses on software for digital human modeling. Previously, he was an adjunct professor at the University of Iowa. Let's begin. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Dr. Marla, a.k.a. Tim. Delighted to have you here today. Well, thank you very much, Elaine. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, really look forward to the conversation. Excellent. Um, okay. Um, I'm, I'm guessing this is going to be a detailed conversation. Uh, I can feel it. But first, I, I, want, to, <laughs> I want to start with this. Um, if you can provide my listeners with a, an introduction to you, your organization, and your 
current projects and activities? Give them a sort of a taste of the work that has been done in your environment. Sure, sure. So um, I am fundamentally an engineer, uh, most interested in, in creating things, whether that be a widget, a code, or an organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, historically, <clears throat> uh, prior to coming to Rand Corporation, uh, I did uh, worked in industry at Ford Motor Company and then the University of Iowa and in the latter capacity, although research, it was generally software development uh, mm-hmm. with a strong interest in, in human modeling, how, how they work, uh, what, makes, what makes you tick, so to speak, <clears throat> and then sort of more fundamental mathematics, optimization, to be precise. And at Rand Corporation, uh, I work on generally emerging technology. Um, and that uh, includes uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, um, a little bit of biotechnology, uh, including things like brain computer interfaces mm-hmm. um, and machine learning uh, as part of AI. I do a lot of work with training simulators across the military services and homeland security, um, as well as law enforcement. Uh, but then, of course, emerging technology in general. And Rand Corporation um, is its just a, a really interesting place, and I must say a great place to work. Uh, looks at informing decision-making through uh, objective studies and analysis. And those decisions might involve training simulators. They might involve uh, healthcare, uh, uh, civil law, just a broad swath of of topics. It's one of the things that make it interesting to work there. Mm Excellent. Thanks for that. Um, you, you mentioned BCI, and I I want to to look at BCI types and applications with this next question. Um, we talked about this in our preliminary conversation. However, my listeners were not privy to this, so so I'd like for you to elaborate here. Um, if you do a comparison between the effectiveness of an invasive and non-invasive BCI, the invasive one will come out on top. Um, So let's talk about the pros and cons of both, uh, as well as address the point you made in our exchange about it really depends on the definition of effectiveness. So what are your thoughts here, Tim? Well, I would say on on a high level, and this applies to any emerging technology, uh, it depends what you want to do. Uh, what's the goal? What do you want to do? Then pick the technology, and 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 that will inform how infect, uh, effective it is. And this predicates uh, a, a potential topic, uh, perhaps an issue with brain-computer interfaces, as to whether there's an industry technology push that says we can do this cool thing now. Let's sell it, mm-hmm. um, or there's a uh, uh, more let's call it market pull. There's this distinct need. Therefore, let's develop a a technology that does that. That Mm -hmm. said, more specifically, um, if you define brain-computer interfaces as uh, methods and systems for providing direct communication between um, an enhanced or uh, a wired brain and some external device, whether that external device be a computer or uh, another person. Brain-computer interfaces 
are a way to exchange information with the human brain. Mm-hmm. Frankly, a, a keyboard um, is sort of a, a unidirectional way to, to get information from the body and, and thus the brain. So if that's the BCI, then the question becomes, how effective are you in extracting that information? And ultimately, although it's farther away for commercial use, inputting that information. And, and something like an EEG that's that's been around since the 1920s, mm-hmm. they can be very effective. They can be as cheap as a couple hundred dollars. You put them on your head mm-hmm. uh, and you can control a drone. <clears throat> Whereas, uh, but but they don't necessarily give you details. So that's the that's the high level. I can I can mm-hmm. dig a little deeper into the difference between invasive or non-invasive, but I think that sets it up. Mm-hmm. And um, you sort of gave the example of controlling a drone with your um, mind, and I think that's one of your articles that we read, and uh, we will elaborate on that later on um, in this episode. Okay, um, let's look at its application um, in the military, uh, another area that you've written about. Um, incidentally, we will put a link, some of your articles actually, in, in, in the show notes. So with the military, what's the significance? What's the operation significance? Potentially, um, it's, it's sub- substantial. <clears throat> so given that setup of what brain-computer interfaces do, mm-hmm. and given the context of of warfare today mm-hmm. and in the future, uh, BCIs can be substantial. So um, this context often involves the idea of human-machine teaming. How do I connect with different types of weapon systems, with different people in my squad, different soldiers, Marines, sailors, airmen mm-hmm. in my squad? Um, so that connectivity uh, between human and human, and human and and machines. In addition, uh, again, thinking about context first or need first, um, in general, warfare, you're going to have a warfighter that has to digest and synthesize larger amounts of information, Um, just tremendous amounts of data. If you imagine a a fighter pilot today compared to one 50 years ago, (laughs) so much more information uh, about the weather, about different pilots, about different weapons, about what's going on, about maybe even connecting to a ship that's not too far away. So tremendous amounts of information that'll come to the warfighter. Consequently, they're going to have to make decisions faster, or it, it would behoove them, or it'd be beneficial if they could make decisions more rapidly, um, in part in a response to, to AI or machine learning. There are hypotheses and theories that eventually we'll get to the point where that information flow is going to change faster than humans can digest it and make decisions. Um, And thirdly, I think war fighters are going to have to interact with or oversee an increasing number of systems, robots, and even swarms. So given all of that context and given the fact that warfare in general is one of the most, it's a little sad, but it's one of the most complicated things we do. Mm-hmm. It involves every aspect of technology and and advancement with civilizations. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that's a long setup, uh, but I'll just touch on some of the things BCIs can do. Imagine they have 
implications for assessing the status of a soldier. Mm. Are they fatigued? Are they scared? Potentially, not today, they could reduce pain. They could allow a soldier to control hands-free a swarm of drones, freeing mm. up their hands to hold weapons and being more aware of what's around them. Uh, it can have significant and perhaps the most mature aspect of BCI, uh, medical uh, implications, prosthetics. Mm -hmm. uh, there's ability to link with AI, what's called cortically uh, coupled AI. Um, mm -hmm. Transfer information, this of course is far away, with other squad members. How are you feeling? Who's hurt? Is, is the morale high? Um, these kinds of things. There are many risks that go with it, and we can mm -hmm. dive into any specifics there, but these are the kinds of things that just could have implications across all aspects, domains of, mm -hmm. of warfare. <clears throat> Okay, um, we could actually do the whole episode and just listen to you talk about <laughs> the military applications because I'm thinking, a lot wow, wow, into. wow, while you're talking and saying all this, you know, for my listeners, um, to to whet their appetite for for this article, um, I, I obviously I, I've mentioned I'll put it in the show notes. Tim writes with regards to the BCI and military application, and I quote. It makes sense to start by studying an emerging technology like BCI through a military lens. Why? Because war is one of the most fraught and complicated scenarios imaginable. If I can use it in a war, I would probably use it during a natural disaster like a tsunami or an earthquake. And frankly, I could use it more to save lives. Um, listeners, um, the link will be provided, as I mentioned, in the show notes, and so you can go and have a read of that article. Fast, fascinating stuff. And, and and what about with um, commercial applications? You keep hinting, and you talked about commercial applications. You've questioned in the Wire magazine the commercial pervasiveness of BCIs um, due to stringent regulations, which we will talk about in the, in the next question. So I want to part regulations for a second. But for now, what sector or industries, other than the military that you mentioned, would you say... Mm -hmm will benefit the most from the commercialization of BCIs, obviously apart from the providers of them. Um, what, what's your thoughts there? Well, there's what, you know, in the future, what will benefit? Um, and then there's sort of in the near term, I think in the near term, health and medical. That's where um, mm -hmm. I would say the majority of the research has, has gone on, especially with invasive systems, where mm -hmm. invasive means it's surgically implanted in your brain, non-invasive essentially means you just put a cap on. Mm -hmm. um, so the idea of treating Parkinson's disease, flip a switch and no longer have tremors. I've mm -hmm. seen stories of artists uh, that can't perform their, their skill, their task, turn on an implant and all of a sudden they're steady. They can paint yes, again. Yes, and you're changing somebody's life. Let somebody in a wheelchair send an email to their children or their niece or their nephew, just massive impacts um, with, with prosthetics, uh, with paraplegics, Parkinson's mm -hmm. disease, this kind of thing. So health and medical for sure. Um, after that, uh, just based on the majority of systems, I can imagine the entertainment uh, will be affected by this. Um, there are sites already where you can buy what are technically BCI-related toys. Um, games where you think about controlling a, a golf ball that's getting moved with pressurized air. Mm -hmm. 
kind of move it through a, a maze. Um, the ability to control a simple drone, just up, down, forward, back. Mm -hmm. Entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. um, depending on how you define and scope BCIs, I think then there there also could be impact with with training. Mm -hmm. um, just to just the basics that we can do today to assess your cognitive workload. Mm -hmm. So you're going through a virtual environment um, to train on decision making when you're stressed, as let's say a, a police officer. Uh, well, I can measure your cognitive workload. I can see ah you're stressed now. So now I'm going to adapt that virtual environment to, to mm -hmm. tone it down, or I can say this is too easy. So now I'm going to dial up the stress. I'm going to change the, the noise, the weather. I'm going to have more people in there. So I can see uh, significations for the training industry. That's, that's what I see in the near future. In the far future, and this begs the question, what's the future? And uh, nobody has a crystal ball in terms of how many years. Mm -hmm. uh, then I can see it um you, you know having all sorts of impacts touching some, many sectors that involve individual performance mm -hmm. uh, from from health to manufacturing uh education if, even the education absolutely um yes. you're in a plant you see something about to go haywire or there's danger just think stop instead yeah. of having to run across the room and hit the red button yeah. these yeah. kinds of things i think hint at at the broad applications for for this kind of technology mm, that's interesting stuff really really exciting stuff okay um i want to now look at the public this is really your area this the dissemination of information what uh, and to whom and the rights and risks of it all um it, it it's really the type of question that Joe Public would ask, and hopefully you can shed some light on this. Um, it's about BCI controls, um, regulations with BCI. Mm. Where are we at with policy standards, etc.? As somebody who studies or works with emerging technology, with BCIs, it's particularly exciting, and mm. that is because they have substantial impact but they're not yet mature. These are not things you're gonna go buy off the shelf in a mm -hmm. store. So now is the time yeah. that we can be proactive with policies. Now is the time that we can start to think about what are the opportunities and what are the risks. So there really is not much codified policy specifically for BCIs. Mm -hmm. um, there's increasing consideration, I would say, uh, within the EU, UK, and, and US. Mm -hmm. um, certainly increasing R&D uh, and use in China. Mm -hmm. um, so people are starting to think about this, but there's not a whole lot of policy written down um, yet. Mm -hmm. uh, within the US, uh, Department of Commerce is, is starting to, to focus on this topic as well mm -hmm. uh, and think about import-export implications. Mm -hmm. So just as a sample... BCI is a technology that you would call dual use. It can do many good things, yeah. but it can also be used for, for bad reasons, nefarious reasons. So on one hand, you want to watch that. You want to control those imports and exports. Who's getting, say, U.S. technologies that could be used for bad reasons? Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if you've got a scientist who's changing the life of somebody with Parkinson's and all of a sudden they can't get some peace because it's regulated, 
that's a big problem. So uh, Department of Commerce is just now starting to consider how do we balance these things. So the short answer is not much policy yet, but mm-hmm. increasing thought and consideration of risks and opportunities, I think. But it'd be, it'd be interesting to know, because when we you talked about it, um, BCI use and you talked about in sort of the entertainment space, and therefore I'm thinking of in that space, that's where Joe ordinary Joe public comes in. Because at the moment, it's used on a sort of medical level, therefore you have scientists, you have academics, you have researchers in that space working and using that. And in some, in some sense, it's controlled. But then when you move to the entertainment space, in terms of controls, that's another question. So I'm wondering, in that space, what should we be informed of, we as in the Joe public, what should we be informed of? How should this information be disseminated to us, the public, to ensure, I don't know, a consistent and sort of a correct feed? That's a a great question. So there's one in terms of considering the entertainment space. There's Mm -hmm. one aspect of that question. And there's one aspect of that question considering how to inform, as you say, Joe Public. Mm-hmm. First, understand uh, that BCIs are not a single thing. Brain-computer interfaces are not a single thing. Mm-hmm. There's a broad range of, of topics. Um, if you think about cars, mm-hmm. you can have a plastic remote control car that's fun. It's not going to hurt anybody. And then you can have a 2,000-pound a, a uh, you know, Ferrari that, that could be dangerous if you don't know what you're doing or if you get in it when you're drunk. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. And BCIs are are not directly comparable, but have the same kind of range. So when 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 somebody thinks about brain computer interfaces, are they dangerous? Um, they can be, uh, or they you know some forms can be rather innocuous. So currently, in the entertainment field, uh, uh, if you buy an EEG, these are very basic things you can mm-hmm. order it in the internet really no no risk there <clears throat> um and use it to fly a drone uh it's not trivial you gotta practice so you mm-hmm, gotta really mm-hmm. focus and think up down left right um alternatively surgical implant to your brain that's serious business any kind mm-hmm. of surgery mm-hmm. has risks so <clears throat> um to the first part of your question that entertainment industry uh, I, I i don't think there's great concerns there now fast forward where Implants are more pervasive. Mm. Uh, you can imagine uh, non-invasive BCIs that uh, uh, transmit mm-hmm. uh, electrical signals to your brain. To mm-hmm. some extent, this is possible now. It's certainly not commercial. So there, in the future, there's a point where those things could bleed into the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not today, uh, but we do have to think about how do we parse and categorize the different types of BCIs, what should be regulated, what should be allowed to be sold mm-hmm. as entertainment, what shouldn't. Um, yeah. So I don't see a lot of risks for a kind of Joe user today, but we're going to think about this going forward. I, I just thought of a, another headache, which is probably in the future, it's not just so much use um, for entertainment, but perhaps performance enhancing and especially in the sporting world if you're you know a professional sports individual regulating that if dbcis are developed to enhance you in some way or another enhance your performance beyond what you could your capabilities are that would be something to think about um okay um you know, this is all a minefield on a national level. Um, in, in terms of regulations, compliance, uh, safety, and, and even privacy, 
I know that your expertise falls um, more towards policy and high level risk and opportunities, but on an international level, what mm. are the complexities in implementing such standards and regulations? Yeah, so um, this ties into sort of the second half of your previous question mm. to, to, to communicating to the public. So, and it just gets magnified. So first, uh, I think now um, more so than ever, with emerging technologies, the responsibility to scientists, engineers, to communicate to the public. You're no longer just writing for your peers who have a deep understanding of this. So the first step is transparency. Um, because with a lack of understanding, folks start to imagine the monsters under their bed. Mm. I've seen articles that mention the competition between US and China. China's doing a lot of work in this space. And it's very easy to get to the point where somebody thinks that person is Chinese, they're going to steal my thoughts. And this mm -hmm. is a horrible path to go down, but there can be some commentary that hints at that. That's not a risk um, for, for someone uh, in the public. Mm. And that speaks to the international level. <clears throat> so what's complicated about, what complicates this uh, um, uh, uh, on the international level? Uh, when you have... Uh, different compound technologies, like you've got brain-computer interfaces. Well, that involves machine learning. They use machine learning to sort mm -hmm. of synchronize them. Um, and that gets very complicated. So now I've got to track uh, all these chips that might I implant in your brain. I've got to track machine learning, all these different aspects. Now, I want to collaborate, let's just say, uh, between uh, US and the UK. Well, there's slightly different value systems there, mm. slightly different cultures, sometimes substantially different cultures. That complicates these issues. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's <clears throat> first and foremost a need for discussion. It, it, it can never be overstated. The need for uh, publication, transparency, and discussion. Of course, on the military side, you want to be appropriate. Mm -hmm. um, in, in terms of what's published, but I think communication is key. Uh, then there's a consideration of um, how to incentivize collaboration. This is something I'm starting to look at and have not delved deeply into, but what are the incentives for two countries, let alone two organizations within a country, uh, to collaborate? Transparency can facilitate that. Um, various uh, agreements for uh, technology exchange can mm -hmm. facilitate that. On the military side, obviously, treaties can facilitate that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's a lot of work uh, with to be done with biotechnology more broadly, but BCI specifically. I'm not sure if I answered your question, but those are some initial thoughts. Yeah, it, it, it brings up lots of questions in, in my mind. I'm sure it brings up a lot of questions in listeners' minds, and then and they, they can go forth and find that information. But I think when you talked about treaties, I'm thinking that is not an overnight thing. That can actually take years to put in place. So while these technologies are developing, they're not going to wait for you to sort of, you know, country to country to sort out your treaties and sort out your agreements. Yeah. So that that's, you know, we as we, you know, you know, more than most, with emerging technologies, regulations always lagging behind, but something like this, I think, you know, you said now is the time to put things in place or get things prepared as these technologies develop because they're going to exponentially grow. 
and you need to have the right kind of regulations on a national level in place, never mind sort of on an international level or, or agreements between the different countries. So, um, yeah, th thank you for your answer on that. Um, to, to end, I, I've got a couple questions about the, the articles we've written or contributed to um, on the topic of BCIs, privacy, regulations and risk. Um, first, let me um, list them for my listeners. Um, the first one now could be the time to form policy for emerging brain and body enhancement technologies. Uh, the second one, brain computer interfaces are coming. Will you be ready? And the third, brain and machine confluence requires multi-sectorial regulations to maximize gains. Um, I think we've covered quite a bit in the discussion, but first, um, when are you going to turn them into a book? Oh, wow, what a, what a great question. Um, so there's a lot published uh, on this. There are many brain-computer interface-related books. Uh, there is a brain-computer interface handbook um, that's rather thick, maybe two inches. Uh, and brain-computer interfaces technically have been around since 1929. Mm. So there's a lot published. Uh, uh, um, I hadn't thought no, about writing a book. You, you still have not answered, have you? You still have the question. I, I think, yeah, I, I don't have any plans to write a book, but what a great topic to write about. Uh, to that, you know, many RAND reports um, are put forth as quote unquote books. Mm -hmm. uh, so in that sense, I guess I've written a short book uh, <laughs> with a team, with with co-authors. Uh -huh. uh, so okay. so no immediate plans, but so I'd no like to- no immediate plans. But if you do continue to write articles on new developments on BCI, please do let me know so I can stick them in the show notes, especially as this age and people want to find out more about you, at least they can- pull that information straight from the episode. Okay, um, so which one um, that I mentioned, those three um, articles, would you recommend to my listeners to digest, bearing in mind the conversation we've just had? The, the, the article you mentioned, which actually technically wasn't written by me, the brain-computer interfaces are coming, will we be ready? That's a summary article for a larger report that I did write, um, mm -hmm. and I think that's a, a nice overview uh, so I think that would be a, a starting point. Okay. I'm glad you mentioned that because lastly, with the article that you titled that you mentioned, Brain Computer Interface are coming, will we be ready? My question to you is, are we ready in whatever capacity you think? I don't think we're ready. We will be. The, so, so the attention is where it should be. And as I said, there's work going on to learn more, to to, to develop those policy, and that's a good, good thing. I will add, um, I, I think it's important to inform, the, as I said, the public. Uh, you know, a car can be a deadly dangerous weapon, but it also saves many lives and changes the world. And, and I hope that people look at BCIs through that same lens. Yes, I, I hope so too. Um... Dr. Tim Marler, it's been a delightful conversation today on Heads Talk. Many thanks for your time and insights. Thank you. Happy to happy to talk. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Talk podcast with your host Elaine Pringle Schwitter.